You know, it's amazing to stop and think about the behind the scenes things that take place in a church. And it is really, that's such a part of the heart of Christ is that we don't need to be noticed for these things. It's never about needing the notoriety, right? We celebrate these things because God is good, but we do these things because God is worthy, right? That's why we minister. That's why we give the sacrifices that we do is because God is worthy of those things. But I wanted to just kind of in my my own words this morning share with you what God has put on my heart for us as a church. And I want to preface this by saying this. I am not quick to use the statement, God said, okay? I'm very careful with that statement, all right? I had a friend of mine, pastor friend, and, you know, we would be talking about, like, where do we want to go to lunch? Should we go to McDonald's or Wendy's? And he'd be like, the Lord says Wendy's. I'd be like, whoa, the Lord cares about where we're eating lunch. All right, fantastic. I hear music of some sort. Does everybody else hear that? Either that or the mothership is calling. I, I don't. Beam me up. Um... But I, I want to be very careful with that because the Bible tells us very clearly that one day I will stand before God and I will have to give an account for leading this church. And I wish I could put into words for you how seriously I take that, but I just can't even begin to describe that for you. Um, it's something that really weighs on me very heavily because I have to answer to God someday for this church. And and so I'm very careful, very selective, but every time as we're coming into a new year and looking at the future, I start to think through those thoughts. Okay, God, lead us. Give us direction. Speak to the vision of the future of what you want to do for Family Life Church. Where are we going from here? What what is it that you desire to accomplish and to change in us or direct in us? And so that's really what I want to speak to this morning is what God is speaking to in us and what I really want to share for us going into into the future here. So let me show you the vision that God has given me and and what he's laid on my heart. I want to go to Acts chapter 1 and take a look at this final conversation between Jesus and his disciples, all right? And and we've got to understand this because this is really amazing what I'm about to show you here in just a second. These disciples who have been with Jesus in ministry for three years, okay? And they're about to ask Jesus a question that for most of us, when we look at this, you're going to scratch your head and be like, what? What? This is their question, all right? We're gonna, we're gonna look at it right here. Acts chapter one, verses six through eight. Here's what it says. When the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? Now, I wanna stop right there, okay? This is the exact same question that the Pharisees and those who did not believe in Jesus had been asking during Jesus' time of ministry. They believed that what they had read about the coming Messiah is that he would overthrow the Roman government, he would reestablish the throne of David and the kingdom of Israel, and after doing that, then they would be right back to where they were supposed to be. It was a restorative idea. This is how they interpreted the Messiah. Now, the people who were closest to Jesus are asking Jesus this very same question that Jesus' opposers were asking him as well, right? So he says, will you restore our kingdom? He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now let's just take a look at this for just a second, because there's something going on here that we have all experienced at some point in our lives. Every one of us in this room has experienced this moment, whether you've been in relationship with Jesus for your whole life or you've been there for 15 minutes, okay? 
you will experience a moment like this, and this is what it is, that time that my agenda was not part of God's plan. How many of you have ever been through that before? That time when my agenda, what I wanted to do, what I thought should happen, the way things should go, was not part of God's plan. And then the flip side of that, that time that God's plan really did not line up with my agenda. Have you ever had a moment where you felt like God is directing you into something where you're just like, yeah, I did not see that coming. That was not in my five-year plan. That was not the way I had written things out for myself or for my own life. It's not what I wanted. And that's exactly what these disciples are thinking. They're like, okay, we followed Jesus. We were a part of his ministry. We watched him go to the cross. We watched him raised from the dead. And now it's time, boy, we get our kingdom back. And Jesus stops them and he goes, that's not what, I'm, that's not what I came for. It's not what my ministry's about. That's not what I'm working to accomplish. And he just speaks suddenly to them. He says, but you will receive power because that's what they were talking about. We want the power of a kingdom. We want our kingdom restored because we feel powerless. And he goes, no, you're gonna receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you're gonna be my witnesses to Judea, to Samaria, to the ends of the earth. But there's a reality of this, this tension that we have to wrestle with in our lives between our plans and God's plans. James four thirteen to 15 says it this way. You say to yourselves, we're gonna go and move to this place and live in this place and do business for a year and all these other things. He goes, you make all these plans. Because instead you should say, if it's the Lord's will. If the Lord is willing, I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that. Because if you go outside of if it's the Lord's will, we're taking matters into our own hands and doing our own thing. Psalm 33.10 tells us that God frustrates the plans of people so that his plans can succeed. You ever have one of your plans frustrated? That is an unpleasant experience. Right, And you can get mad at God, but here's the thing. God's working on his plan. He says, I love you enough to make sure that my plan succeeds in your life and goes beyond what your plan is. Proverbs 19.21 says that we see a lot of different options. And I think this is such a reality for us, especially in this rich world and culture that we live in. We have a lot of different options available to us. You could do anything, go anywhere, be anything. And, the, and Proverbs 19.21 speaks this. He goes, there are a lot of options out there but they don't compare to God's plan. God's plan is what matters more than any of those other things. And that's exactly what he speaks to in that moment for them is he goes, you have an agenda, but I've got a plan. You have a dream, but I've got a plan. You've got things that you want, but I've got a plan. And it takes a great move of God for you to be able to step out from under what you want and to begin to embrace what God wants. Have you ever been there? It's not an easy process, but there's a great thing here because Jesus says, you don't have to do this by yourself. And this is exactly what he speaks to in verse eight. I wanna read this part for you again. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. Can you say everywhere? We can throw in there even the Shenango Valley, right? In Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Really awesome the way that Jesus describes this. Um, but he's really trying to build this case here. A question for us. What is the purpose of God's power working in us? All right? This is what we're unpacking right here now is because they're talking about a kingdom. They're talking about power. They're talking about regaining power over the Roman government. Jesus says to them, no, I'm not giving you earthly power. I've come to give you spirit-filled power. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit so that you'll receive that power when he comes upon you. All right? And it's that power to which we were singing about just a few minutes ago. And you may not know this. I know Pastor Paul talked about this last week in his message. You were singing Ephesians 3, 20, and 21 this morning, which is now to him 
who is able to do immeasurably more than we could even imagine according to the power of God that is at work within us. To him be all the glory forever and ever. Amen. We were singing that this morning and it's not by coincidence. Pastor Paul and I, did we get together and talk about doing that song this week? Negative. Never once came up. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He put that song here for us to be focused in that reality in this moment that we have an agenda, but we have to step back and say, no, God, you do the immeasurable things. You do the things that I can't even imagine, and I want to surrender that to you, but what's the purpose? Well, Jesus talks about this in like concentric circles to start with. First, he says, Jerusalem. You're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And here's what that represents. And this is what I want to speak to for us as far as like this vision for us as a church. Jerusalem is just your, your town, right? Your city. How many of you know, looking around the Shenango Valley, God wants to reach your city? Four of you. Okay, let's start over. Okay. God wants to reach your city. All right, and this is so important to us. I know why well, the Shenango Valley is not a city; it's a bunch of towns, it's a bunch of different. Listen, from a biblical perspective, this region represents our city, and God is speaking to the local reach. And there are a lot of things that we do for our local reach of what God wants to accomplish. Then He says, "In Judea and Samaria, this represents their nation." I don't know about you. When I turn on the news, I'm fairly convinced often that my nation needs Jesus. Anybody else think your nation needs Jesus? Oh, good, we're waking up. I, I, was, I was worried about you guys for a second. Like, no, we're all good. Um, I'm certainly praying this now, this being another election year. Uh, in our, our last election cycle was not a pleasant thing for our country. We need Jesus to be at the center of these things, right? My nation needs Jesus. So he speaks to this and he says, to the ends of the earth. Your global reach. We are here today. Because even though Jesus, who was crucified on the cross in Jerusalem, a town in the middle of one of the smallest countries in the world, the reach of the gospel has continued to expand since from that time until now, and we have been reached because of that global reach through the power of the Holy Spirit. And God has called us to continue that global reach. That's why we send missionaries into the world, why we take time to support those missionaries. Um, you know, we'll celebrate this every once in a while. You'll see a big number go up on the screen and we all go, woo, and some of us have no idea what that means. But last year, I believe we gave $122,000 from your giving that went to send missionaries around the United States and around the world and to reach people here right in our city, our Jerusalem, our Judea, and our Samaria, to the ends of the earth. This is what we're investing in. Now, beyond financially, I want to take a look at what God is speaking to us and what it means to go into these places and to reach them because our reach is not just about where we send our money. It's not just about where we send our prayers. It's about something that God wants to do in every single one of us. And here, you'll see it in just a second here. But Jesus says, you'll be my witnesses, right? Did you hear that, that, that word? You'll be my witnesses in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I want to show you without any kind of buildup here, what the Greek word is for witnesses. Can you put that on the screen for me? Anybody ever see that word before? It's Greek, it's martures. It's the word martyr. That's where we get the word martyr from. Someone who is willing to die for their faith. And Jesus uses this word 
when speaking to his disciples, now let's back it up again, right? Let's go back to where the conversation started. Hey, Jesus, is it time to build this kingdom for your people here on earth where we get a king and a kingdom, we're done with the emperor, we're done with the Roman oppression, and we get our thing? And Jesus says, well, that's kind of above my pay grade. However, you will get the power of the Holy Spirit so that you can go die. You could die in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and even on the ends of the earth. I'm going to give you power through the gift of the Holy Spirit to go be martyrs for the world. This is what Jesus speaks to for them in this moment. Now, I'm not, I don't want us to get hung up here on this reality that this is just talking about a physical death. Please don't go home today and say, yeah, I had a great message. Our pastor told us that the best thing we can do for Jesus is die. Okay, we're not talking about a physical death, Okay. But there is a death to self that is described throughout all of Scripture. Jesus spoke of it in his ministry. Paul wrote about it through his ministry. You can see in Matthew 16, 24, Jesus tells them, deny yourselves, pick up your cross, and follow Jesus. That's going to to death. Matthew 15, 25, Jesus says, whoever loves their life will lose it. Because if you lose your life, you'll actually find it. But if you hold on too tightly, you'll lose it. You won't get to keep it. Galatians 2.20, Paul says, it's no longer I that live, but it's Christ that lives in me. I'm not living for my own selfish desires anymore. I live to please God. In Galatians 5.20-24, he said, I had to leave behind my former passions, the things that I wanted. You ever get this idea about Paul that he just woke up one day and wanted to expand the church of Jesus and travel 10,000 miles through three missionary journeys, be shipwrecked, stoned, beaten, and abandoned so that the church could grow? Do you think he ever had any other dreams or thoughts for his life? You think he ever sat down and said, oh, you know, I think it's, it'd be much easier just be a tent maker than to take all these persecutions, to put in all these miles, to go through all this abuse Let's put it on a human level. He said, I had to give up my former passions. I had to give up my dreams because God put a new dream inside of my heart. Romans 13, 14 tells us that we live in an hour of darkness where sin corrupts us in all of the world. And and, and we're not just talking about shedding the sins of our lives, the bad things that we do, the unbiblical things we do. He says there's a darkness inside of us by which we live for the sinful nature. And we've got to take that off and put on the righteousness of Christ like a garment, that selflessness that Jesus wants to impart to us. We need to wrap ourselves in it. And Jesus says this to his disciples. He goes, I've called you to be martyrs. I've called you to lay down your lives for your city, to lay down your lives for your nation, to lay down your lives for the world, because if you do that, then the power of the gospel can work in ways that you can't even begin to imagine. And church, I look at this and I see God calling us as a church to this reality. Again, not physical death. I'm not saying we have to go die. Thankfully, we live in a free country and we don't face a religious persecution that could put our physical lives in danger But that doesn't take away any of the requirement from inside of us to be willing to lay down our own thoughts, desires, ambitions, hopes, dreams, agendas to say, God, it's not about me. It's all about you and what you want to accomplish through me. Let me ask you something. When was the last time you got down on your hands and knees and just simply said, God, what do you want? What do you want? Don't we so often run into 
God, I need this. God, I need that. God, will you do this? God, will you fix this? God, will you speak to this? God, will you direct this? God, will you change this? God, 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 God. And we come in with this agenda of what we want. And it's exactly like the disciples who were waiting for the kingdom to be restored. And he says, no, I'm not doing those things. This is not the time or the place. But I'm giving you the gift of the Holy Spirit to do something inside of you that you cannot do on your own. Listen, there's nobody you've ever met that you might put into the category of righteous or pious that did it on their own. They did it through the infilling of the Holy Spirit, just like he says here. What is the purpose of God's gift of the Holy Spirit to us? Well, we can get focused on what we think it is. We love to read through uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, the gifts of the Spirit, and it tells us what all those gifts are, and those are great things. We love to read through Galatians 5, where it tells us what the fruit of the Spirit is, and we love all of those things. But Jesus, in this moment, is not talking about either one of those. He says, I'm giving you power because you can't die to self on your own. You can't die to your own selfish desires on your own. You can't give up your own dreams on your own, your own ambitions. The only way that's going to happen is if the Holy Spirit comes on you in such a way that it radically changes the way that you see the world around you. Church, that's no easy feat. That's no easy feat. Think about yourself for a second. I'll throw myself out there under the bus. I'm a selfish guy. And without Jesus at the center of my life and in my heart, I could be the most selfish person in this room. Paul said that about himself repeatedly. He goes, wicked and terrible man am I. I could be the worst sinner, the chief of sinners, if not for the glory of God and the ministry of the Holy Spirit inside of me. Church, we all have that ability. But God's calling us to something greater. Laying down our lives. Laying down our dreams, our hopes, whatever it is that we think this life was made for because there are people who need Jesus. I want to close with this because there's a man named King David. You've probably heard of David before. Maybe you've even heard, you know, the Bible describes David, God describes David as a man after God's own heart. Only person in scripture that we read this about says he's a man after my own heart. And David writes this in Psalm 39. And even before we talk about what he said, I feel like you need to understand something about David. David, even though he got to see the move of God in his life, God raised him from a shepherd boy up to the king of Israel, David went through some struggles in his own life. In fact, we can read in some of the commentaries and through understanding some of the other Psalms that David wrote, he had some physical maladies that really plagued him in his later years in life. Um, He talked about in Psalm 42 how he just lays on a bed of tears because of the pain and anguish that his body, he says, I feel like my body is on fire. And he's talking about that, but then he says this, Psalm 39, verses four to seven, here's what he says. Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered, how fleeting my life is. You have made my life no longer than the width of my hand. My entire lifetime is just a moment to you at best. Each of us is but a breath. We are merely moving shadows and all our busy rushing ends in nothing. We heap up wealth not knowing who will spend it. And so, Lord, where do I put my hope? Where do I put my hope? My only hope is in you. My only hope is in you. What, what does that mean? I mean, what, what, what's he accomplishing? What's, what's, this, 
What's the shift for him? He says, I've lived a, a fairly long life for, that, for those time in that place. I've become a king. I've built a kingdom. I've established wealth and power and notoriety. I have children upon children upon children. From the eyes of the world, I've done everything in the world there is to be success. I mean, what, a, what greater story is there from rags to riches than for a shepherd boy who becomes the king of his nation? Because I've done all of that. But here's my request from God. Lord, would you chop all that excess off and give me vision for one thing and one thing only, that my days are few. My life is short. The time is short. And I don't want to focus my time on just building wealth and fame and notoriety and all these. I'm not trying to focus my life on those things. I want to focus on living my life to the glory of God. This is the man after God's own heart. This is the man after God's own heart. Take all of it away, God, until the only thing that I see is just how brief my life is. You know, we can joke about it. We read our headlines. You take a quick scroll through Facebook. And if you know what Scripture says about the end times, there's not a whole lot of things left on the checklist. Literally, Jesus could come back at any moment. There's very little left from a prophetical stance in the Bible that needs to be fulfilled before Jesus could return. It could happen in an instant. But even if Jesus never returns in our lifetime, our time here on earth is but a breath. You know how I know? I asked a hundred-year-old man after first service. I said, Chris, we have a gentleman in our church, his name is Christy Fear. World War II veteran, he turned 100. He'll be 101 in August. I said, Chris, does 100 years go quick? And he just shook his head and he said, you bet, brother. Like a blink. And it takes us to the end of our lives to realize that. At the beginning, it's like, well, I've got forever ahead of me. I got 50, 60, 70, 80, and 90. I mean, we're starting to look at 100, 120 years now of how long we expect people could possibly live. I've got plenty of time ahead of me. But when you talk to the people who've lived that life, who get to the other side of it, they look back and they say, it was a blink of an eye. Don't lose sight of just how short your days here are on earth. And that God didn't give them to us to be living them for self. But that he's fulfilled inside of us through the power of his Holy Spirit and mission, this reality. Time is short. Live for Jesus and reach the lost. Whether Jesus is coming back tomorrow or in 200 years, whether you only live to be 29 or 117, time is short. Time is short. Live for Jesus and reach the lost. Reach them in your city. Reach them in your nation. Reach them all over the world. God has put that ministry inside of us. And he said, I gave you the Holy Spirit so that you could do it. I'm not asking you to go do it by yourself. I'm not asking you to do it by your own power. You can't overcome your own selfishness. You can't come your own pride and your, your flesh. You can't do that. Jesus said with this, with man, these things are impossible. Then he said, but with God, all things are possible. 
Church, we get really excited about the gifts of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, but there is a work of the Spirit that I believe God wants to do in us in this year that radically transforms the way we see the world around us. And it is simply this. It's not about me. It's all about Jesus. I'd give up anything for Jesus. I'd go anywhere for Jesus. I'd do anything for Jesus. I would, whatever it takes, because there are lost people who need Jesus. I have neighbors in my city who need Jesus. I've got people in my nation that need Jesus. There are people all over the world that need Jesus. And God did not give me these 30 or 50 or 80 or 100 or 120 years of life to be able to live just for self. He gave them to me that by the power of his spirit, I might be an agent of the gospel that goes into the world and takes this message to a people who've never heard it before, who've never seen it before, who maybe don't believe it. Church, this is where the disciples were. Their last conversation with Jesus. Are you going to fulfill our agenda? Is now the time, God? Are you going to fulfill my agenda? Are you going to do what I've been holding out for? God, are you going to change that thing and fix that thing and transform that thing or give me direction about that thing? Are you going to do that thing, God? And Jesus says, uh, no. But I'll tell you this. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you so that you can be my martyrs for the world. So that you can be my people who lay down your life for the world. Because that's the only way the gospel goes forward is in a people who are fully surrendered. Church, I believe if I could speak from the heart of God for us for this year, this is the call to become more and more and more a people who think less about ourselves and more about the lost of our city, the lost of our nation, the lost of the world, and who are so deeply moved by it that we don't care what it takes. We don't care if we have to raise $100,000 to buy four vans. It means nothing. We're going to go into our city, and we're going to go into the projects, and we're going to reach families who need Jesus. We're going to bring them to Jesus. We're going to give them a ride because maybe that's the only thing that's stopping them. That's our local reach. And I don't care that it costs $100,000 or that, that we've got to raise money to do this and that we're going to need money for gas and all that. I don't care because there are people who need Jesus. And I want to do a missions trip and I want to go to another place in the, in the country or maybe into a city and I want to tell people about Jesus because there are people in my nation who need Jesus. And I want to see missionaries raised up who believe in the power of God who say, I'm going into the world to preach the gospel because there's people in the world who need Jesus. I'm not going to hold on to my dreams. I'm not going to hold on to this life that I thought I'd get to live filled with every dream of, the, of what I expected. I know there are people who need Jesus. And it consumes me. Church, this is what God's calling us to. And if it was up to us, let's face it, let's go back to the disciples. If it was up to them, the gospel ended in roughly 34 AD. That would be one year after Jesus' ascension. But his gift, his promise was this. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be able to reach your city. You'll be able to reach your nation. You'll be able to reach the world. Because by my power at work in you, you will do exceedingly more than you could ever imagine and give all the glory to God in the process. Life is short. Live for Jesus and reach the lost. 
Church, this is what God is calling us to. But we have to make a decision. A yay or nay moment. A moment of contention where it's like, well, uh, that doesn't necessarily fit my plan. I had plans for some of this stuff. I had plans for my future or my retirement or where I'm going. I had plans. It takes a yay or nay moment where we say, God, yes, where you lead me, I will follow. Where you call me, I will go. I will forsake everything else for your glory because there are people who need Jesus. Will you pray with me? God, every one of us is in this room today because at some point there was a man or woman of God who said people need Jesus. And because of their sacrificial love and mercy, we came into relationship with you and our lives were changed. Lord, all the way back to the the disciples who had to realize this power that you wanted to give them, not for the sake of sitting back and having great services, not for the sake of being able to be, have the goosebumps and be in awe of the power of God, but for a people who believe so passionately that the gospel is life-giving and life-changing and life-transforming that they hold nothing back to go and speak it to a lost and hurting world. And God, I pray that you would put that inside of us today. This yay or nay moment, Lord, let it be a moment of of transformation in our lives where we see a crossroads before us. Do I continue to live a life that I dreamed of, that I planned for, that I prepared for, that I hoped in, or do I let go of all of that and just say, God, I will do whatever you call me to do because there are people who need Jesus. As we're in prayer this morning, I want to ask you if you're here and Just as we've been going through this message, I mean, the Holy Spirit himself is just tugging. There's something inside of you that's just nudging a little part of your spirit. It's a little elbow on your side that says, yes, yes, I'm talking to you. I mean you. I mean your life. I mean your choices and your direction and your decisions. I mean you. And you want to be responsive to that right now in this moment. I want to ask you if that's you and you want to say, yes, God, I can't do it on my own, but I want to invite the power of your Holy Spirit to radically transform me from the inside out. If that's you, I just want to ask you to slip up a hand because I want to pray with you this morning. Yep, thank you, thank you. Hands all across this room. Anybody else? Thank you, yeah, yep, yep. I want to ask you to stand with me. After Jesus' resurrection... We read in John chapter 19 that they were just in an upper room and they were spending time together and suddenly Jesus appears to them. And this is how it describes this moment. It says that Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And then he told them, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. I mean, basically this power is more than you'll ever understand. But I want to pray this for you in this moment. Maybe you've got concerns and fears and worries about what does it mean to have the Holy Spirit working in my life. I just want to encourage you. If the only thing we could ask of him is this, God, I want that Holy Spirit power that helps me lay down my life for the sake of the gospel. Because there are people who need Jesus. I want to pray that for you this morning. And I can't do it, but the power of the Holy Spirit can. 
So I want you to pray with me. Lord Jesus, I pray right now for the people in this room who raised their hand. And maybe they didn't, or those who are joining us online, God, who are in that place of seeking, desiring, saying, Holy Spirit, I can't do this on my own, but with you, all things are possible. And I just pray right now that, Holy Spirit, you just begin to come upon the hearts and lives of every single person who is desiring, who's seeking, who realizes in and of themselves that they can't do it without you. Lord, it's so daunting to even think about what it means to reach the lost. Just in our city, let alone across the world. But God, you gave us the promise that we would receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon us to go out into the world as your witnesses, those who lay down their lives for the sake of the gospel. You've called us and set us apart as missionaries, God, and that's who we want to be. Lord, help us to overcome our flesh because time is short. And there are people who need Jesus. And whatever it costs us, God, we want to lay it down because there are people who need Jesus. And I pray that we will delight in living our lives fully surrendered to you as we see people come into relationship with you. Lord, we love you. Help us to take the first step and be with us through the journey. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Pastor Matt, would you come and share? Wow, what, a, what an encouraging and empowering message. Uh, that's our prayer this week, that you would be empowered and encouraged to say no to yourself and say yes to Jesus so we can change the world. It's incredible. Um, so what, what I'm going to ask you this time is if our prayer team would come forward. And there's going to be people up here to pray with you. If you have anything related to this message or not, we would, be, we would love to pray with you at this time. If you are new to our family, we would love to have the opportunity to meet you right outside the double doors to the left at our welcome banner. Um, you can feel free to go uh, at this time. Thank you so much for coming to Family Life Church. We just want to encourage you to greet one another at this time. Thank you. Have a blessed week.